0: The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by Folding Warehouse, Ipsy, and Arbor. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all. Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell.
1: Did you forget about us? We are back and better than ever, Alex Jewell. Another week of the Eastern Insider Podcast. It's been a little bit of a hiatus. We had a bowl game. We had Christmas and holiday vacation. We've had the start of conference playing basketball. We have not been here because of that. We've been pretty busy, Greg. But now we're back. It's good time for another semester of the Eastern Insider podcast. And like you said, we'll be back and better than ever throughout the rest of the year and a little bit of a change up format. We're going to definitely get more student athletes on this semester, more head coaches, let you hear directly from the programs. As we know, that's what you guys are, are hungry for. And of course, we'll continue to talk about the relevant events as well that are happening all around Eastern Michigan Athletics. So it's a great time to be back. We're grateful to have you listening. And we hope that each and every one of you had a great time over this break as well, hopefully celebrating our bowl game win and so many other great things to be thankful for around this time of year.
2: Yeah, there were a lot of good things that happened while we were gone, most notably, of course, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl victory where Eastern Michigan rolled past San Jose State after trailing early. The Eagles then, after the special teams play, never looked back and route to the bowl victory. We've got into conference play here in basketball, as Alex touched on, and uh, it's been a bumpy ride so far for teams, but starting to even back out, Eastern Michigan women sneaking out a nice win over Northern Illinois, clawing back, winning it in overtime. The men's team, after falling behind in the first half, played much better in the second. They're going to have to do better than uh, even that, as they, this week will travel to Toledo tomorrow night to take on a red-hot Rocket team that scores a lot, but much like Eastern has trouble defensive sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's a good uh, chance for Eastern Michigan to get right against the Rockets. We know what they're able to do year in and year out, Todd, with 1D Kowalczyk, of course, their head coach. But uh, nationally televised game tomorrow in an environment, Greg, that you and I both know is going to be loud. It's going to be energetic. It's going to be hectic. But I think sometimes that's the best environment to go into, to just forget about some of the struggles you've had and really focus on the task at hand. And so I think Eastern Michigan will gear up and play pretty well in that game at Toledo and try to get that victory. And then you mentioned that the women pulled out a nice win on Saturday. They're back at it on Wednesday night against Western Michigan University over in Kalamazoo. We know that's a close connections game for many reasons. But of course, the top of that list is Shane Klipfelms, the head coach for Western Michigan, the longtime assistant coach here, EMU grad. And of course, he spent one year as the acting head coach for Eastern Michigan as well. So a lot of close connections, a lot of MAC basketball going on this week. And Greg, it's just the start because so many sports are underway. I don't want to forget any one of them, but just off the top of the head, I mean, swim and dive is going. Tennis goes this weekend. We know that gymnastics got underway with a home meet yesterday against Ball State. I mean, the list goes on and on. Track and field, how can we forget them? They've been setting program records and getting wins, and it's just been a scurry of things at the start of the semester, but it's almost the best time of year, and it is the best time of year, because so many things are going on.
2: Yeah, you mentioned it. Some things to keep note on for the calendar this week. It's National Girls and Women in Sport Day celebration coming up this weekend. Come out for the uh, clinics events that they have before the Eagles take on the Rockets uh, this weekend here at George Gervin Game of Bum Center. It's also your first chance to catch EMU lacrosse as they'll battle Grand Valley State at the St. Joe's Sports Dome, a 1 o'clock start for both of those. Men's basketball on the road, so no excuse not to be able to get out there. And then tennis also opens as well. Gymnastics will be in Morgantown for the West Virginia Invitational after they opened their home campaign just yesterday. So a fun-packed week, but... A jam-packed show for you today as we take you not only to one current head coach, but one former head coach that came back. That's right. It was a big weekend for basketball
1: this past weekend for many reasons. We saw the football team get celebrated on Saturday in between, uh, excuse me, at halftime of the men's game, the doubleheader. There was so much celebration. It was Pride Day. But one of the big points of emphasis as well is that Ben Braun was back, the legendary Eastern Michigan head coach who led this program for 10 10 seasons, multiple championships, and so many memories Fans. So many people showed up on Saturday to welcome him back, so thank you if you were one of those, and hopefully if you weren't able to do that and see him in person, you'll enjoy this interview. Greg sat down with Coach Braun, and then a double dip with Mr. Steiner as well, because he sat down with Kemp Savage, the head rowing coach. Their team is ready to get underway this season. They've had a lot of improvements in their neck of the woods since we last talked to Coach Savage with a new facility, and so I know he's very excited about what the future of EMU rowing holds.
2: He is. He is also ready to get back out on the water. They will be dreaming of Alabama very soon and that will be coming up quickly we also know another sport they'll be dreaming up of the south very quickly and that will be emu baseball as they of course have their first pitch dinner and first games right around the corner too very good point
1: before we go we should let everybody know that the leadoff dinner is saturday night the 28th there's still tickets available a very few limited spots but this was directly from Eric Roof. I just talked to him a little while ago. There are still some spaces available. So if you are interested in attending the leadoff dinner, meeting the team, participating in a great silent auction, helping fund some of the initiatives that EMU Baseball has going on. And by the way, having a great dinner. I got the menu. It is a wonderful steak dinner, salad, I think. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little teaser here. Chocolate cake and cheesecake with a, a strawberry compote is on the menu this weekend. All that plus... Uh, Cecil Fielder is going to be the yeah, keynote speaker. Yeah, I think you buried speaker. the lead of the guy.
2: kind of way well, you would
1: to uh, Most back, people, anyway. the lead is the dessert. So I think they're going to be happy with that. So between the leadoff dinner, all the events going on, please remember to visit emueagles.com. Click on each sports tab to find out what's most up-to-date with them and to get the most up-to-date schedules and results. With that, Greg, I think we've talked way too much in this return. We've got two great interviews on the other side of this break. It's Ben Braun coming up and then Kemp Savage talks rowing on this week's edition. The welcome back edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast.
0: Whether you're in the D or out at sea, we always bring you the E on the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. The Eastern Insider
2: Podcast. We're lucky enough to be joined by former Eastern Michigan head coach Ben Braun as he's back in town calling the basketball game, but also a bit of a reunion tour coach. I know you're so thrilled to be back in town and a lot of reasons that drove you back here including seeing your former player and Stan Heath get to coach this basketball
3: team well so many emotions greg one stan heath was a former player that uh, was instrumental in turning our basketball program around uh, he's somebody i've known a long time i actually recruited him before i got to eastern lost out eastern got him but uh, you know we ended up uh you know, being together as my my coaching him and and I've been able to support him through his years. I when he got into coaching. I don't often tell people to go into coaching, not an easy profession, but Stan was always destined to be a leader on coach. And he's done a phenomenal job at every stop he's been to. So I'm really proud of his efforts. And now to see him back at his alma mater is huge. And uh I know that he'd like to get his program going. And uh it was just a great opportunity for me to come back and not only support his team, but to cover one of the games. And then at the same time, you mentioned, get our players that played on some of those teams back here, out here to support the team as well.
2: You were back here a few years ago, pre-COVID. You continue to to live on the West Coast. I know you follow this basketball team a lot, even when you're doing other games. How important is it for you still stay connected to a place like this?
3: Well, I've got friends in the area, Greg, so it's great to come back. I get to see some of the people I haven't seen as often as I'd like to see them. Uh, At the same time, you know, so many great memories of the teams we had and of Ypsilanti. We had a great community support uh, system uh, here for us, so that's really big, and and just being a part of it, uh, getting a chance to come back and see, you know, you know, be in the new arena. Uh, we didn't have we had Bowenfield House for our fans who remember that. That was a you know great home court advantage, but it was not an up to date, state of the art facility like uh, you know they they have now. So just to see this arena and and to see. The potential here is phenomenal, and also to, as you mentioned, stay in touch with the program to see uh, the Eastern Michigan football team not only uh, you know have a successful season, but get to a bowl and win a game. You know that's something I experienced when I was here when back when Jim Harcum was coaching. So it's great to see Eastern having the success that it's having, and I certainly want to stay in touch and be a part of that to the best of my ability.
2: You look at the everybody thinks back to the golden age, and they look back to that '80s and '90s. Gene Smith, of course, was in charge. You had Harkama. You had you. It starts with leadership at the top. And right now, it seems to be similar in a lot of ways. You have a president that's supportive of athletics. You have a strong athletic director, a strong basketball coach, and a strong football coach.
3: What do you see as the similarities there? Well, I think it's important. You know, I learned a lot from Roy Wilbanks, uh, the executive vice president then, who obviously was big with the MU Foundation and the golf course, Eagle Crest, now has his name on that. So, uh, you know, it's it's important that when you're building, that you have people on the same page. We really had the support of not only the athletic administration, you mentioned Gene Smith, but we had people involved in the in the recreation center. We had people involved in financial aid. We had people in admissions. We had people that really came and, and professors and, and teachers, they came to the game. And so that meant a lot to the players I coached because not only, you know, did their parents and their friends come to the game, they had professors that would come and support them outside of the classroom. And, and I thought that was really special. I think that's been something that uh, I wish more schools and universities could do. But we had that here. Uh, and I think uh, that 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 had explained a lot of the success that we had.
2: Here with head coach Brent Braun, you look at this team that Stan Heath has built. It was the number four transfer class in the country that he's been able to bring in. Expectations really high. They haven't met those. But Again, when you have so many new people, again it takes time to gel. Where do you think this team is in the, at their progression right now?
3: Well, I had a, t- a chance today to you know earlier uh, uh, and you know, just to speak with some of the players and maybe address them. And you know, I think one of the things you have to understand is. Uh, you know, potential has a starting point and it's not where you start, it's where you end up. And so when you have transfers and you have a lot of new faces, chemistry is always the biggest issue. It's not about talent, but, you know, putting those pieces together. So I just think the more this team can stay together, you know, and even this might sound strange, but I know we went through that when I was coaching. When you go through some hardships, you go through and you, you lose some tough games and, and you're, you know, get you're struggling to get back on top. Those experiences can make you stronger. So, I really believe that what Eastern Mission uh, the, the the team is experiencing now will actually end up helping them to become stronger and more connected. And if if uh, you know you can stay optimistic and just get a couple of breakthrough games, you know then I think the sky's the limit. So look for Stan and his team just to continue to build and continue to get better and do this over the long haul.
2: As a guy who's had 24 players in the NBA, you told me only one of them was an all-American in high school. You see a guy like Amani Bates, all the potential in the world. What's been your message to him?
3: Well, we had actually had a chance to talk. And, you know, one of the things that I've not only said to him, but other players that I've coached is, you know, if you want to play, certainly at the next level. Uh, that's important and everybody has those dreams and it's very healthy to have those dreams. Now you have to understand how to get there and you don't get there just on your own. And what do I mean by that? Yes, you have to have talent, but if that was the case, then, then I probably shouldn't have had 23 players that made it because they weren't all Americans why did they make it? Because they worked hard, they improved, uh, they were coachable, their teams had team success. So the NBA scouts can look at what your impact is. How do you how do you impact the guys on your team? Do you make them better? You make your teams better. And when those things come into place, I think you have an excellent chance to reach not only your potential, uh, I mean, not only the team's potential, but your individual potential as well. So I think that's a pretty solid message. And I, I hope that, uh, you know, I hope coaches today, you uh, I hope players today still listen to a coach that uh, has that type of message. But I think it's a sound one, and it's it's meant to help the, those uh, those players in, in reaching their dreams and aspirations.
2: Final moments here with Coach Braun. Uh, one of the stats you told me as we talked to, to get ready for this game is your Ben Braun stat is 62% of you, of your makes come on uncontested shots, 38% when you shoot contested shots. When you look at it, defense intensity what were some things that were always strong points that you talked to your team about?
3: Well, I, that stat was always important for me because it hasn't really changed Greg over the years. It's, you know, if you're, if you're allowing teams to shoot uncontested shots, the average college player is going to make 62%. If you're giving up 62% or even the fifties, you're going to lose. If you can challenge shots and challenge shots, the average uh, field goal percentage is 38%. So if you can challenge the majority of your shots, that's what's going to happen. You're going to take the field goal percentage and go down. Conversely, on the offensive end, you don't want to shoot a lot of contested shots. Certainly at the end of a shot clock, you have to uh, and you want guys that can make that shot. But if you can try to get open shots and, you know, get shots that are generally 62% makeable, those are what you want. And if you're having to take difficult or degree of difficulty shots, then you're going to shoot in the high 30s, maybe low 40s. Hard to win those kind of games. So I, I'm i a stat guy when it comes to those those uh, uh, those those facts.
2: Coach, it's a pleasure to have you back. We're so thrilled you're here. You bleed green and white, even though maybe on the west coast now we're thrilled to have yeah.
3: you. <laughs> Thank you Greg, always a pleasure. There's only
0: one place in the state of Michigan that takes you straight inside the locker room, and that's the Eastern Insider podcast. Your chance to get in on the action, bringing you more coverage than any other program in the mitten.
2: New year, same Eastern Insider. We're back and talking rowing with head rowing coach Kemp Savage. It's year Eight for you? Does it seem like it's been eight years as a head coach? I know you've been here since two thousand eight, so even longer at at EMU. But time flies when you're having fun.
4: Uh, it's one of those things that uh, you ask me on the right day, and it's been thirty years, and then you ask me on another day, and it's been ten minutes, and you know it just depends on what the slog is or if everything's going well and hitting. So I, I would say yes, because you know I just. <laughs> I just got a new ID and they gave me my original picture and I sent it to somebody and they were like, wow, you look older in your old ID. And I was like, why? And they're <laughs> like, well, your hair is starting to thin and you're sunburned." And I was like, well, yeah, but I'm like 15 years older now.
2: <laughs> I'm like, I, well, I, yeah. I still have, you my don't try as hard now. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well that, if that makes me younger, I'll take it. Yeah. I still have my old picture on mine and I've got bangs and everything else. It's like, Oh, <laughs> let's, let's not relive those days <laughs> either. Uh, you look at it, this, it's right now, it's snowing outside. There's more expected on on Wednesday. People aren't thinking about being outside yet, but you are. You're thinking about how we can get to the water. And it's been a great winter for you in terms of training, hasn't it?
4: We got really, really close to getting on the water last week, uh, actually, in like the, what, second week of January. So we got close. The water, the ice didn't quite break up early enough, but it was the right temperature and we would have only gotten about one practice and the setup takes a little too long to, to make that a worthwhile venture. But, you know, right now for us, it's ice thickness. Yeah. Snow's out there, but it hasn't been super cold. I know the next couple of next month looks a little chilly, but if the ice, if we didn't have ice as of last week, um, you know, it just means it's going to thaw faster. We're going to be out uh earlier. I mean, we've got, Good training space, the training so far, I mean, we've only been back a couple of weeks, but so far it's been going well. Um, the intensity has been really good. Uh, the intent has been really good. And if we can keep that up for the
2: next month or two, we'll be in a good space to start back on the water. What's the biggest difference between when you're on land versus when you're on water on how you want to see improvement and what areas do you kind of look at for improvement? So on
4: land, you have the direct feedback individually of what you're doing on a, on a rowing ergometer, um, you get the exact number that you individually are pulling. So we can do a lot more individual work when it comes to fitness and goal setting, when you're on the water, it's more, what is the boat doing? It's the team as a whole. So it's a little bit of a duality of, the winter ends up being a very individualistic sport kind of like i would say a mile runner is individualistic um and then when we get on the water it's got to be the eight or the four all together you know the individuals make up part of the whole but the speed of the whole matters not the speed of each individual so as far as just base speed that's kind of what we're looking for looking for to see improvements in erg scores and fitness uh technically technically the erg and the boat don't cross but so much uh mainly because there's the balance component on the boat through biomechanics research you don't store things that require balance and things that don't the same uh what we think of technically on the erg is gross motor movement can we get the sequencing correct can we get uh some of the the posture and the the major biomechanics right on the ergs so then when we take it on the water we can make all those fine tuning adjustments and not trying to get things like whether your arms come out first or your back comes out first. Like we're trying to get that stuff all locked in, set up, um, and also the drive dynamic on your drive phase. So uh, it's a little different, but I think I would say erging is the indoor season is training. It's fitness. It's trying to get the the motor big enough to go run with the big kids
2: one of the biggest changes since we last talked to you is you're finally in your own space, an area that's designed fully right to your standards. So it helps with your workouts and quickness that you want. What has been the, the what was the reaction when the girls finally were able to be in your ERG room after being displaced for months and months now? So I,
4: it was big uh, opening it last Fall was nice. It kind of gave us a good start to, as we came off the water and uh, into our eight hour and started our time. Uh, This coming back this winter, we've gotten the graphics up. We've gotten um, the TVs hung, the whiteboards hung, and really able to run it like a division one uh, training space. And it's, it's, it brings a different mentality uh, to the training. You know, it's not, Everything isn't quite all done yet, but we're getting pretty close. And I think it's really, even the little things we're adding as we go on, um, we actually just were able to start using, a have a locker room space for the first time since the team started. So it we're seeing a lot that is changing the program. And now it's making sure those changes come with uh, the speed that we expect.
2: I know when the f- program first started, there was a lot of, you'd go on campus, you'd see if there were people here already that looked athletic and and could join that's much different now now you're able to truly go out and recruit and get division one athletes that aren't just here because they're going to school first uh
4: yes uh we and and the on-campus portion is always probably going to be part of what we're looking for you never want to turn down someone who can make you faster uh particularly in a sport that is pretty easy to learn difficult to master um so that will always be part of what we do but Right now, I think our incoming recruiting class is 14. Um, still trying to expand that a little bit through this next couple of months. And, you know, we're we're getting really good attention uh, internationally that we have never gotten before. Uh, really doing well against some of our competitors, even Big Ten schools that are in the area. We're starting to really build a good momentum in who we're getting and the quality of athletes we're getting. And it's, it's exciting because those are the things we need to make the next big jump is, is bringing our entire, I would say, athletic knowledge up. Um, even our talent transfers are really, really good athletes, uh, that are ready to take on a different challenge in college.
2: In the spring campaign, you'll go more invitationals and regattas than the true duels that you did in the fall. Granted, in the fall, you had the likes of Michigan, Wisconsin, and Michigan State to go up against. In the spring, you're going to get Alabama, of course, as your training trip, B.C., and then the home uh, regatta that you get against Dayton to all get you ready for the CAAs. A third place finish last year, most points you've ever scored since joining the league in 2012, a season ago. But still, I know your ultimate goal is to punch that NCAA ticket for the first time. Where do you think this team is trajectory-wise? And what do you think is kind of the biggest thing between now and the beginning of March that is going to get you there?
4: Uh, I think coming out of last fall, uh, we we lost a couple of our top-end scores to graduation. I think we're building closer back to that top-end. It really is going to come back to see how the entire whole handles the next uh couple months i think we lost a couple top end scores in our 1v but i think the couple the i would say the 7-8 got faster i would say our 2v is a lot faster now than it was last year and our four is is pushing that that boundary too so i would say the whole team has gotten faster it's whether we have really discovered the top end speed to go win um i think you know we did really well, finished third place in the 1V. Obviously, to to go win the CAs, we need to be in one or two. Um, But we really need the 2V and the 4 to also really start to step up this year. I think the 1V made a really good jump. And now it's the 2V and the 4. Um, And everybody having a little more experience and knowledge. And then it really comes down to how hard we are working and then how focused we are in that work we we've done a really good job so far and again it's two weeks in but our hard days have been really they've really been pushing boundaries that i don't think they have this early before and we just need to be able to keep that momentum up if we can keep that training consistency it's going to turn out really well
2: It you all, know, of course you could div- come up with every plan but it starts with the people actually implementing it. what uh, student athlete wise who are some people if they haven't watched your program or closely, or if they have, we're the people they really should kind of focus in on making somebody that makes an immediate impact for your team. Uh,
4: So I think right now um, there's, I mean, we've got a team of 60 people. So giving you one name is that's hard. Yeah.
2: um, It's different when you're a golf that only has six.
4: Yeah. Um, Some people who are really taking on, I would say the, the reins of, of changing the culture of how hard everyone goes on a day-to-day basis. Um, Caitlin Rodenheiser, who's been, who's our fifth year, um, sixth year possibly because of COVID. (laughs) Um, But she's really been a huge pushing force. She's a record board um, member. She's, she's has done a a lot to change the culture. She's been here. Uh, A couple of our, sophomores and juniors Lily Well Lily Well Wilhelm and Reagan Fizikas, uh Laura Borchers um seniors uh Lauren Ahorn and Chloe Hinahosa they've all really kind of started to to make a push and I I know I'm leaving people off the list oh uh Cox and Abby Goodwin um they're all stepping up and if they aren't able to do it helping their teammates get to the next step um we've got a couple sophomores who who did pretty well last year who look like they're really taking a good step and i think we we need to keep that momentum up and and those people are really pushing hard and i think we're going to get the results because it it comes down to coaches can say and do all they want but i can't can't row the stroke i can't get in a race and do it um my time with that's gone um and rowing's so unique in that we don't have a lot of impact during the race we can't really talk to our athletes during the race so once we push them off for the warm-up we're done um so it's all about prep work and it's all about them being self-motivated in the moment to go go win races that it we have to foster that and then they have to take that on themselves to to find the outcome so it it's a real culture shift and owning it and they're doing a lot to own it and make themselves part of the process of going fast
2: i appreciate your time eagles will get their season underway at the beginning of march home meet again against dayton April 29th. We know we'll catch up to you plenty before each race on emueagles.com and social. And always the famous Trailer Talk afterwards as well. Oh, looking forward to Trailer Talk this year. Trailer Talk's back. We need some feedback. We
4: need some some topics. We are not creative enough to keep this going. Oh, okay. (laughs) So
2: there there you go, Eagle Nation. You've heard it right now. Make some submissions for Trailer Talk. We know Kemp will be willing to give his feedback on that. He's no topic offhand. Uh, Is a hot dog a sandwich? Trailer talk two years
4: ago. Long discussion on that one.
2: Not a sandwich. Agreed. Not a sandwich. More on the Eastern Insider after this. This has been another edition of the Eastern
0: Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.